The Countdown to the Unashamedly You Conference is officially on coming September 22nd and 23rd. Do not miss your chance to experience this life-changing opportunity. Come expecting to be enlightened, encouraged, and empowered to unashamedly find and fulfill your God-given calling. Grab your ticket now using promo code UYPODCAST to enjoy 10% off at unashamedlyyou.com. We cannot wait to see you there. Welcome to the Unashamedly You podcast, a space to enlighten, encourage, and empower you to go out and unashamedly be who God is calling you to be. I am your host, Jamie Herndon. I pray you hear less of me and more of him as you listen to today's episode. Let's grow together. What a privilege to bring on a guest that is probably no stranger to any of you guys listening today. She runs a very successful business with her husband, and they are a couple that are unashamedly walking in their God-given calling. Carissa King, we are so delighted to have you on the Unashamedly You podcast today. Take a moment and introduce yourself to us. Aw, thanks, Jamie. I appreciate you having me on. I love what you're doing with Unashamedly You, and we were just chatting before you hit record about the progress that your podcast has made in less than a year. And I just love hearing all the impact it's making on so many people across the world. So kudos. And then, sorry, I'll introduce myself now. I just wanted to say thank you. (laughs) So my name is Carissa King, and I'm from Sacramento, California, and I'm a marriage and family therapist. Thank you so much for your support and love and pouring into anyone that gets started in something, which is one reason why obviously you guys are very successful. So you've mentioned that you are a marriage therapist, but you and your husband, y'all run Dear Young Married Couple, which I feel like really should be renamed to like Dear Married Couple, because you (laughs) definitely are not only reaching young married with this ministry, but take us back to when you got started, like at the very beginning and how this space started for a healthy marriage community that you guys have built. Oh, for sure. Well, it actually started when I was 16 years old and I had moved to a new place and I was mentored by this gal. Her name is Kim. And I didn't realize she had this inside outreach ministry going and she was the director of this ministry, but she was mentoring me. And it was a lot of counseling. And then about a year later, she asked me, would you be a part of Inside Outreach? Would you take on some mentees? And I was like, oh my word, I didn't realize that I was your mentee. And I mean, I knew I was, but I didn't know I was like officially her mentee. And so I started mentoring people through Inside Outreach. And I knew then that I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to help people as a career. And so I went to school for psychology and got married really young. Adam and I have been together half my life now. So I'm 34 and we got together when I was 17, got married at 19. And so we've been married 15 years. And so right as I was finishing up my hours for licensure to become a marriage and family therapist, people started asking me to do like little marriage seminars, not like big weekends or anything, but like a a talk. And 
I was like, babe, if I'm going to speak on marriage, like I'd really love for you to speak on marriage with me. And he's like, well, I am married, but I'm not an expert in marriage. And I'm like, well, you would do great. And he's a reader and a researcher. And I was like, read some books and just come speak with me. And so he did. And he did fantastic from the beginning. But he'll tell you that he didn't know anything he was talking about in the beginning. But he did great. And so then he got some certifications and has read more marriage books than I have now. And we officially made Dear Young Married Couple a brand only about five years ago. So it was May of 2018. Until then, it was really unofficial. I mean, I was a marriage and family therapist for quite a few years prior to that. And we did a lot of ministerial counseling, youth pastoring, but we didn't make it like an official brand until 2018. I love that you said that you had him come on board and you told him to read some books. So that's kind of some proof right there. If you were listening to this and you're like, I don't really know where to start or what to do or how to do this. You can read and you can learn. You can educate yourself. You can literally do anything in life. (laughs) Yes, that is true. YouTube, depending on the source, but definitely some good books that come highly recommended. You can learn a lot. So let's be honest, talking about anything and putting yourself out there can be hard, but you are posting intimate content for the world to see and like for the world and your mom to see, (laughs) was it ever hard for you to get over yourself per se, when you guys started this and whenever you made it official, you were putting yourself on social media, you got a podcast going, was it hard for you guys to show up and share this content? It's a great question. I think at first, you know. Of course, we had those conversations about me and no one's talking about sex in the apostolic world. This is going to be different. You know, could it scare some people off? But we had conversations with our shepherd all along the way. And I think that's crucial when you're starting something new. Check in with your leadership and get their advice, their input. Our pastor was incredible from the beginning. I mean, definitely supportive, but also gave us those warnings, you know, and and was like, hey, be really careful about posting things like this and make sure you say it this way. And he did say, too, he's like in the beginning, he's like, it's going to be really shocking. He's like, and as you go, hopefully things start to shift because we told him our desire to shift culture around the discussion on sex and intimacy within marriage in the apostolic world. And he was like, hopefully this starts to shift and you gain trust and you won't have to be as concealed. Like, for instance, one tip he gave us in the beginning was like, if anything is more detailed in terms of sexuality, make it exclusive content that people have to sign up to receive. So like a freebie download or, you know, they have to buy a card deck or they have to so that they're asking for it rather than seeing it in their Instagram feed. And so like in the beginning, that was advice we took and I think it served us well. And then once we gained rapport and trust, and I mean, you have, you have to click follow to follow the people. So, you know, it was people who were asking for this type of content. And then we were able to post more openly about sexuality and start to shift the narrative around it. You know, I've heard the phrase often, whoever has the microphone is who's heard. 
whoever Mm -hmm. is the loudest about something are the ones that are heard. And right now the world is very loud on what they think that marriage should be. They are very Mm -hmm. loud on what they think should be allowed. They are, I mean, they are holding a mic and they are screaming (laughs) to the top of their lungs. They're not embarrassed or ashamed about anything. And I love that you and Adam are speaking out on a subject that is so sacred. Mm -hmm. It is so biblical. God gives us exact guidelines for marriage and how marriage should be. And he put those things in there because he knew that this day was coming. Yeah. He knew that we were going to be facing these things and he didn't want us to face them without guidelines and without direction. That's right. And he gave us that we heard, you know, as the family goes, so goes the nation. Mm, Right. And so you guys talking about this and being loud about families and keeping the marriages strong, because that's something that's so important. So tell us some of the things that maybe you have seen that has been a help for following God's calling for you to go out and to do this and to talk about these things, some results that you've seen along the way. Ah, when you said results, that was kind of the direction I was going. When you see the impact it makes, and you know this as a podcaster and someone who's trying to make make an impact in people's world, when you see an impact that is fuel to the flame. So even though there might be people in one corner saying like, I don't like the kinds of things you talk about, or you're so open about sex. Like you see all these other people who are experiencing beautiful, intimate connection in their marriage in large part due to the work that you've done together and what God is doing through members of his body. And that is fuel. I'm thinking about like clients, right? And their stories, but even feedback we get from strangers online, like we're just like, thank you, Jesus. Like they talk about this particular episode, you know, and they put the tools in place. And then like now they're seeing these results in the communication in their marriage or their sex life. And I mean, breakthroughs, you know, that they've never thought possible. And that's just fuel. We're like, okay, well, let's keep doing it. You know, like, so that's happened really all along and, and God knows too, when you need it. Cause we'll have a particular day where we're like, Oh Lord, like, should we be doing this? Not like all together. We know we're firm in our calling, but like, should we be talking about this particular thing? Because this person said this or whatever. And then like, we'll just get an, an onslaught of positive feedback. And we're like, thank you, Jesus. So feedback does mean a lot, even though we like to think that we don't care what people think. Well, we do. It means a lot. It is fuel. I can definitely attest to that. Whenever people leave a new comment or review on the podcast, I'm like, for sure. oh, thank you so much for leaving this. Like you have no clue what it means to the other person on the end of the screen or the microphone that's receiving that feedback. So we have a yeah. large mom audience. What are some things that maybe you could tell us to help steer our children in the right direction in, in this topic? Yeah. Like when it comes to sexuality. Yes. Yeah. So it's really common in Christian circles for moms to, first of all, to not have been sexually discipled themselves, especially if they grew up in church. If they were in the world, they may have been sexually discipled, but it wasn't intentional and they have a really confused or dysfunctional upbringing around sexuality. Um, it's very rare. So we we ask people, we give them four options. Typically it falls within the four. We say, what was the attitude around sex in your family growing up? And we say, you know, there was silence around sex altogether. And that's usually over 50%, sometimes a lot higher. And then we say like the sex is bad narrative, just don't do it. It's sinful. 
And that's, you know, somewhere in that 20%. So already we don't have much left for the other two. Then there's, I had the talk and that's all. Like it was just really awkward. My parents had this one talk with me and then I was kind of left to fend for myself and ask questions to friends or Google. And that's another 20% or so. Well, this weekend, actually it was zero. We ran the numbers again this weekend. It was 0% that had this new narrative that I'm going to share. The average was like right around 9%. And we've had it as high as 17% in one church. So in one church, that's the highest it's ever been. But typically right around 9% is the average that say this. Sex is a good gift from God to be celebrated in the covenant of marriage. People don't get that narrative growing up, whether we're in the church or not. And so first of all, to the mamas, I would say that was likely not your upbringing around sexuality. And most likely you want that to be the message that your children receive. So how are we going to change it? You have to be the one to change it. And that means getting uncomfortable. Keep in mind that talking about sexuality with your children is uncomfortable for you, but it is not for them, especially if they're little, like they have no reference for it needing to be awkward or uncomfortable. So you have to enter into those awkward moments, talk with your husband, talk with a mentor and get uncomfortable so that you can get more comfortable talking about sexuality. And then, and only then can you be more comfortable talking with your kids about sexuality. So that would be like the first set of advice. I could go on and on. We could do like five episodes on this, but that would be like the first piece. That is so good. Also the cards talk about your, your card decks for a minute. Sure. Yeah. So we created some card decks for couples several years ago and it came out of a need that we saw in marriage counseling. We saw that a lot of couples have a hard time talking about the stuff that matters, not just sexuality, but like the deep stuff. Like they'll talk about what's for dinner and who does what around the house, maybe, but they won't necessarily talk about, you know, what money means to them and what did conflict look like in their home growing up and what does your sorry look like? And then, of course, those other topics like, you know, what are the three favorite places on your body to be kissed? Like, these are questions that they wouldn't think to ask each other. And so we put all these questions in a set of card decks. So we came out with initially foundations, which is for building a foundation in your relationship. It covers all the core areas of a relationship, communication, conflict resolution, finances, friendship, spirituality, all the things. It does cover sex and intimacy, but not in a married way. They're um, really basic questions that even engaged or seriously dating couples could ask each other and still be very kosher and godly. And then we created Sexpectations. And that's a card deck that's all about sex and intimacy. It is only for married couples. It's very godly, but only for married couples. And that one really dives into not just you know sexual intercourse, but the pursuit, desire, how does that all feel and look and what do you want and need in all these areas? And so there's 52 cards in both of those decks. And then we came out with realizations, which is more of a get to know you deck. And that one is designed specifically for dating couples, but married couples have so much fun with it too. So you can kind of keep track of the points and be like, who knows each other better? Like, am I going to answer this question correctly on your behalf? And it's less about the relationship and more about the other person sitting across the table from you. So even like families and friends have used that deck to get to know each other better. 
so much fun. But you also have the the kids cards. We do. That yep. will help parents. So if you are struggling in what she was talking about at the beginning for moms, mm-hmm. and you're not really sure exactly how to bring certain topics up, you have those cards as well, right? We do. Yep. So that's our newest deck. That's called Having the Talks. And the S is really big and plural because you know, the emphasis is we're not trying to have the talk, um, but we're having the talks throughout their entire life. So we start the deck as young as age three and people kind of freak out and they're like, I'm having the talk with my kid at age three. And we're like, no, we're having talks plural throughout their entire life. And we're not talking about intercourse with a three-year-old. And so what we do is each card has a question that you can ask a younger kiddo And then a question that you can ask an older kiddo on the other side of it. Same question, but asked a different way. And some of the questions are only applicable for older kids. And some of them are only applicable for younger kids. So we'll just have like a wild card on the other side, which is where you say, what do you want to ask me today? And they're just fun ways for you to normalize these conversations. Some people throw them on a pile in the middle of the dinner table. Some people put them in their glove compartment while they're on road trips or on the way to commutes within the city. And it's funny, like when you start playing it, the kids are like, can we play that game again? Where are those cards? Like they love having deeper conversations with their parents. And that goes back to whoever is talking the loudest is who your kids are hearing. And we want them to hear from us. That's right. I want my girls to know about sex and sexuality and all those things from me. I want them to know where I stand Mm -hmm. in this instead of them hearing it from someone on social media, from a friend who has a different view. We're the ones that are supposed to be talking about this. So speaking on that, this is something that is talked about and I have heard You know, there's other good podcasts that are out there, obviously, that are on marriage and that cover these topics, but they're not apostolic. Mm -hmm. They're not apostolic podcasts, but you guys are. Sometimes we have a calling and Mm -hmm. we know that God is speaking to us to do something and we see it over there in the world and we know that it needs to be in the church, but we may not want to be the pioneer, the first one to bring it to the church, but God's calling oh, us to do this and right. we see need. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a great question and definitely something that's gone through our minds a bit as we traverse this topic in the apostolic world. Thankfully, we are not the only ones talking openly about sexuality in the apostolic world now. A lot of fellow ministers and friends have come alongside and said, we're going to be part of the movement to change the narrative around sexuality. So we are thankful. Like We are definitely not the only ones. In the beginning, it did feel kind of lonely, you know, talking about it without others kind of cheerleading it as well. And so, you know, I think just hearing the feedback from the beginning is is really what helped us not feel so lonely. But in those moments of loneliness, you do have to trust that, you know, your calling is secure and that God is going to make a way, even if there are naysayers along the way, like God is going to make the way if it's the calling he put on your life. So just be sure. And and how do you be sure? Well, you pray often. You don't just pray once and then like let that go. You continue to check in with the Lord because he's going to probably give you little like twists and turns on how to express this and what exactly he wants you to share, you know, when you're traversing uncharted territory. So make sure you're checking in with the Lord and then also make sure you're checking in with mentors and peers. So 
from the beginning, like I said, having our pastor's voice in our life from the beginning made a huge difference, but also peers, you know, having accountability along the way is crucial. So we have good friends and ministers that have come alongside us that, you know, will say, Hey, you know, like we're thinking about putting out this title. Do you think that title would catch people off guard or do you think it's okay? Like just little things like that. And it's so helpful to have feedback. So someone that is in that position right now where they know God is calling them to do something and they're wanting to pursue that, or maybe they have started to pursue it and they feel that loneliness. They feel alone. They feel scared. They're not really sure. They've talked to their mentors. They've talked to their pastor, but at night when you go to sleep or, you know, during the day and you don't have that voice that's booming in your head at all times, maybe speak to that person that's there right now. Yeah. Well, first of all, I wouldn't try to get around those thoughts or the loneliness. Sometimes you do fly alone in those moments. It's good to have a nest to go back to, but sometimes you fly alone as an eagle and that's okay. So accept that loneliness or doubt is part of the process in in counseling when we we work with someone around like say anxiety. There are different ways to go about dealing with anxiety. And one of the ways is we use cognitive behavioral therapy and it's great. I use it a lot and we're working on speaking truth to the lies. Other times there are statements that again get in our mind and they're not necessarily lies. They're just realistic. What ifs, you know, like what if this all kind of like goes rough and, and it's, it doesn't go how I anticipated. Well, that could be a realistic what if. And so sometimes it feels counterintuitive, but as a counselor, I'll actually have people do what we call radical acceptance. And it's not not having faith to do this, but it's just saying, you know, it could all crash and burn or, you know, this could offend somebody, even though we're doing our best to not be offensive or, you know, someone could disagree with me here, but I've checked in with my pastor and I've talked with some accountability. And so I'm just going to accept the reality that this could be offensive or that this could fail. And we call it radical acceptance. It comes from a sphere of counseling intervention called um, acceptance and commitment therapy. And it's just accepting the reality of what if, and not having to go back and forth in your brain of trying to combat the what ifs with like, no, that's probably not going to happen. But it's just like entertaining it for a bit and saying, okay, What if that happens? The reality is it could, but God's still good. And I still know who I am and I'm still going to move forward in my calling. God might shift that depending on how this particular thing goes, but I know who I am and I know who God is more importantly. So knowing that there are things that don't change regardless of the outcome on some human endeavors. Sometimes I know that whenever I tell myself, what if, and I like list all the terrible things that can happen, I'm like, but it's not really that bad. (laughs) Like if it does crash and burn and it does fail, like who cares? My kids aren't going to be gone. My marriage is still here. I'm still in church, still living for God. Like you said, God is still good. He's still going to bless me in other avenues. Like all the things that are most important to me are still going to be standing at the end of the day. So, but what if I don't do it? What if I don't go after what God is calling me to do? And he's asking of me. I've often quoted and talked about how with Queen Esther in that scripture, God says, it will come. 
-hmm. their deliverance will come from another place, but here's your opportunity, Esther. Here's your opportunity to stand up and allow me to use you. I'm going to use someone else. This is going to happen. My will is going to happen what I want to happen. But when I call you to do this, when you stand up and you rise to do it, then I'm going to be with you and I'm going to go before you. I love that. That's so good. And it's true. Like a lot of people think about goal setting, but there's this guy that talks about fear setting, like, and that kind of goes along with what you said, you know, outline the fears, all the what ifs, and then say, but what if I didn't do this? What if I didn't fulfill my calling and what will fall through? I mean, God's kingdom is still going to move on, but like, who's not going to be impacted and you're not going to be impacted by not moving forward with this calling. So fear setting can be sometimes just as, and perhaps in some situations more effective than goal setting. I love that. I've never heard of it stated that way in the fear setting, but that is so true. Everything that you have said today has been so helpful. Honestly, I know that so many people have gotten something from this, but in this community, obviously it's called unashamedly you. We talk about unashamedly walking in your calling that God is calling you to. And you are someone that always comes to mind whenever I think of that, because I'm like, she's unashamedly walking in a calling that, like you said, it's a taboo subject. It's something that not everyone is very loud about. You're being really loud about it. And we're all grateful that you are. We're grateful that you're walking in your calling, but what is something that you would leave to the unashamedly you community today about walking in their calling? You are the only you on this earth. God created a lot of people, but you are the only you and you have to embrace you. You can glean from others and you can look up to others. There's no problem with that, but you are the only one that can do what God called you to do. So if you don't do it, then you're really missing out on not only blessing and favor, but you're missing out on fulfilling what God's plan was through you. So walk into it really secure and confident that you're doing what God called you to do. Beautiful words. Thank you so much again, Chris, for taking time out of your day and your busy schedule. I know you have a lot going on, but thank you for being on here and speaking to the Unashamedly You podcast. We were delighted to have you today. Thank you, Jamie, for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unashamedly You podcast. If this podcast session blessed you in some way, we would be honored if you would go leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. And as always, shout us out in your stories and tag us. We thrive on your reviews and are so thankful to each one of you that take time week after week to let us know how a podcast has blessed or helped you. We cannot wait to hug your neck at the Unashamedly You Conference coming September 22nd and 23rd. We will see you soon.